be back. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, dogs and cats, children and babies, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you may be joining us from. The audio is good. We think the camera's rolling. It's the world's most dangerous youth baseball podcast. Wouldn't be dangerous if we didn't have these technology problems. You're, you're not wrong. <laughs> I am your host, Devin Morgan, director of baseball driveline founder of the Driveline Academy, joined as per usual by my brother by choice, not my blood, Driveline Academy assistant director, Jeremy Tectiel, international man of mystery. And we're here. It's been a, it's been a couple weeks. It's been a couple weeks. ABCA, Northwest Baseball Coach Association, uh, just stuff. Yeah. It's been heavy. Um, but we're back, and before we get into uh, general unorganized content of whatever we're going to talk about today, housekeeping, you guys know the deal, uh, axbat.com, code DL20, get yourself 20% off of Axbats. You're listening to this podcast. You are a ball and stick sport enthusiast. You know who else makes products for ball and stick sport enthusiasts? Axbat. Axbat.com, code DL20. Um, diamond... Diamond liver 20. Diamond liver 20. Because that's what you want is a diamond liver. Maybe even diamond kidneys, depending on your weekend activities. Um, or both, yeah. right? Both yeah, of those probably. things are involved. Diamond liver 20, DL20, 20% off at axbat.com. Uh, additional housekeeping. I need to make myself a, a habit of this. Skills of Scale, the complete youth baseball training manual. It's on sale right now for pre-order for like two days left. And then we're going to be shipping physical copies. Um, yeah, we got physical copy shipping like this week, which is pretty gas. Um, it's, uh, everything that we think that we know about youth baseball <laughs> all wrapped up in one thing for you. Um, and I was talking to some coaches at the NWBCA thing this weekend. Um, it's like, it's probably not for everybody. It's dense. Uh, it's highly intentional. Um, if you want something that's a little bit more like, Hey, let me put like five, six, seven hours into this thing. Maybe the youth baseball development certification course is a better place for you to start. However, uh, if you want to learn any and everything about what we do and why, uh, what the entire intention of this thing is, why we have that intention, and then how to do it, Skills of Scale Complete Youth Baseball Training Manual. So I would, I would, I would argue with that. Oh, let's go. Because I think uh, it's a really – you could use it as that, as like everything you need to know from why we do it to how we do it. Or you could use it as like a textbook reference book and use the back half of that book that has a lot of practice plans, a YTP, a lot Games. of drill stuff. I, I highly recommend you read the first half so yeah. that you know why we're doing these things and you have uh, an understanding of the why behind it because it's hard to, to really do something well if you don't understand the why behind it. Yeah. Um, but I think that you can absolutely use this book as like a reference in the back half if the, you've, even if you feel the first half is a little dense for you. Fair, fair. Um, so multiple points of engagement. You just want to be uh, the guy or girl who's like, hey, what's your bat speed program? What's your bat to ball program? What are your hybrid bees look like for kids? Uh, what are some skills to scale practice games you want to start to rolling out immediately? Yeah, we got that. Mm -hmm. And then eventually you're going to make your way to front half of That's the book. That's the hope, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, uh, yeah, we're, it's like drugs. Yeah. Oh. You said it, not me. <laughs> this was fun. <laughs> I wonder, I wonder what are the... The back half of this book is the gateway drug. To <laughs> yeah, the that's right. Today. What are the research-proven concepts that define why we're going about skill acquisition this way? Skills of scale, you complete, complete youth baseball training manual. Um, and then in addition, and this doesn't even need to be housekeeping, we can just talk about this. Um, the youth underload smash bats are available for sale right now. Um, going like hotcakes. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I said when I did the solo pod last week that like the thing I very much did not expect to say was like we sold out of the 30 inches in day one. Yeah. And we were like halfway sold through the 32s. Um, great news is that we have a great relationship with our vendor and we should have new stock coming uh, within a, a week or two. Um, but yeah, man, I was I was really I don't know. I, I hope I hope that the message resonates. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you haven't picked up a Youth Under Low Smash Bat yet, uh, we can spend the front half of this podcast kind of making the case for like why. And I think one of the ways that I wanted to kind of start talking about it is just like there's a video of uh, Gary Sheffield, like in one of my favorite, 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 favorite hitters of that era, right? Um, and working with one, I think one of his kids. And uh, Gary uh, was convinced that the kid had an issue with like uh, dragging the bat through the zone. So he's like manipulating the kid, like, like with his hands, like, well, you need to be one on this position. You need to be in this position. And it's always tough when you have big leaguers who have played this game at a level that like most normal human beings in the known universe have not. And I'm aware that like when people like me who didn't play the game at a high level feel some type of way about the instruction the kids are given when it's given by that guy that it's always like, well, what do you talk? What, like, what do you know? What do you know? Yeah. And it's like, it's, you know, it's funny, like talking about the book as like the, you know, the, the drills and the programs and the YTP and the games, are like the gateway into like the why, um, the why has like, I think nearly 60 citations for like research and articles for why. Yeah. Um, and, I think this is relevant to kind of this this whole thing with Sheffield trying to teach kids how to hit in youth underload smash bat because what I think with everything that I've learned, um, and this is again like not original thought of mine. I, I I I make my bones off of other people's work and research and very very smart people all the time. Um, but when you start to think about skill acquisition, you want to think about it in a way that it's sticky, right? That it's like, it's it's not just, I'm going to put my hands on you in this rep and manipulate you this way, but like, I have to step away eventually. I, I can't yep. follow you into the batter's box. I haven't seen that yet. Um, so you have to like, you have to think about it from this perspective of adaptation. How do I get the movements to adapt to whatever the ideal is that I'm trying to push for? Um, and when you think about it from that perspective, to me, the clearest way to think about skill acquisition is really, really simple. You want the intention to dictate the action and the mechanics behind it. Because most of the time, if you allow that to happen, you're going to find the idealized movement solution and mechanical solution you want anyways. I think a lot of times, and I understand why, we do it the other way around, right? And we, we put the mechanics first. Um, and like, and I guess I understand that a, a little, you know, I, I'm not trying to castigate those people. Like, I get it from, there are a lot of other sports, I think a lot of other movements, that it's just like this rote repetition is like the move, you know? And it's like, which, which I think explains T-work, Right. There's this thought that like if I can just groove in, you know, this 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 one mechanical movement, that that somehow is going to be informative of every other ones. But 
we had a kid in for we're doing a hit tracks league hit tracks hitting for for kids in our academy and also for kids that aren't in our academy to come in um you want to come in and like see competitive pitches versus an eye pitch and get ready for your high school season holler at us yeah um and the interesting thing was is that we saw a kid a couple weeks ago who um was an academy kid in year one and had left um and he came in for hit tracks league super nice kid um grown a lot right i haven't seen him in a couple few years but the swing very much resembled one that was built on a tee um and i was talking with uh, connor reynolds who's one of our guys about it um and johnny who's one of the hitting trainers that does a lot of it kind of help with us with the academy um we were just kind of talking about you know what it looks like when a swing is built on a tee it's not built in consideration of time right. and and because the competition environment is defined by time it's like I understand that initial impetus of like I'm going to try to just like let's fix you know let's get to perfect or let's get close to perfect but then when you introduce time in either the movement solution that you've tried to gain doesn't hold or it's irrelevant because it's late and it's not adjustable it's like man I you know we we tried to solve one problem but in but by doing that, we created another. Created at least one more. We, at least. Yeah, at least one more. Like, we can't get on time, and we're not adjustable. Right. And, it, you know, it, it Which, like... I don't know that there are two bigger problems to have as a hitter. Facts. And it just, it hurts my heart. Because I think at the end of the day, that's a kid that, you know, I, I know, you know, from a couple of few years ago when he was with us, he just wants to be good at baseball. Yeah. And he was put on a path that makes him good at a version of the game that's not what it actually is. Yeah, yeah, that he had, he won't ever play past the age of 7, 8. I mean, you know, and if it's if it's if it's first year uh if it's like not T-ball, right? And it's like first year coach pitch where like they'll give you like three swings and then they bring out the T, like fine, but even in that environment like we're we're exposing kids to one form of competition and then uh, a modified one. Right. It's like, well, if you can't succeed at this one where I'm going to try to give this other one as a crutch. And what we had always talked about it in our league was like we wanted to do that for a while. But then eventually you want to progress to take the T away. Right. But then you have this kid who it's just like, man, I can just you can tell like you can see those kids are like it's super robotic. And it's like mechanical checkpoint, mechanical checkpoint, mechanical checkpoint. But the ball defines those things, not the T. Right. So, enter Youth Underload Smash Bat. Uh, another interesting conversation that I was having with Eric Kozak, uh, indie ball grinder. Uh, I'm so flipping happy with how Kozak's been with our kids and like running the academy floor. He's just yeah. absolutely killed it. Um, one of Driveline's longest tenure trainees, so like not exactly a surprise, but, um, but Kozak's been great. Um, and one of the things that Kozak and I were talking about, about the Youth Underload Smash, is that it's not just that like moving fast is good, it's that you need to train in a way where you can do both at the same time because that is a discrete skill that like a, not a lot of people are good at. Correct. Um, and for kids, I think a lot of them, you know, fresh into it are going to not be good at that. Right. Because it's, it's different because again, if you are just doing a lot of T work, you can move really fast, but you don't have to move fast and also be adjustable relative to the ball. Correct. <laughs> like, and I just feel like sometimes when we're talking about this stuff, it feels so, it, it feels dumb, you know, to go like, well, the ball moves in the game, so we should train relative to a moving ball. But 
obviously because of the proliferation of tea work and the proliferation of swings that are built on a tee, like, I don't know. We got to talk about it. Yes. It, the adjustability while, while moving fast, there's not multiple ways to get that. Yeah. You can't, you can't recreate that environment without a moving ball. Yeah. And, and, so like in a, and again, I think sometimes the complaints that we've had from parents that watch the way that we train where it's like high volume, defined by environment, implement, and constraint, and they're familiar with the other thing. So you don't see a, a coach like coaching up your kid after every single miss. And the reason for that is like really intentional because it's a perception and a movement task. Right. You could get the movement right, and if the perception is wrong... Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter, man. Smell you later. So, okay, well, how are we going to, how are you going to develop perception? Well, you just need to see it. Like your book of business is too small. Right. Um, So I had somebody ask this morning with the underload smash bat was like, you know, what's the best ball to, um, to hit with them? And like, you can hit regular baseballs with it full stop. Uh, Probably don't want to do that off a machine because you're probably going to get some stingers. It's only an inch and a half inch barrel. Sweet spot relative to a baseball is going to be a little bit low. Right. It's not going to be fun. Flips, however, probably some front front flips, yeah. you know, front toss, you're fine. Um, but the answer that I'm going to give later uh, is like, for me, if I had to pick one thing and one thing only, it'd be minis. It'd be the mini hitting plyos straight up because intentionally what you're doing is you're creating a training environment where hitting like the task difficulty is really high. Mm-hmm. But the thing that you're driving towards is like the absolute panacea, man. It is moving and- the bat fast accurately. With immediate feedback. Yes. That you get from the minis. Yep. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. And and so, and I was, you know, I was talking to somebody um, at the Northwest Baseball Coach Association uh, thing that we were all at last weekend. Um, shout out to everybody that was there on Friday, Saturday, or the folks that stuck around on Sunday for my talk. Um, that feedback is so powerful because we're talking about an athlete trying to internalize a movement solution that I think a lot of times if you don't get that feedback, it's really hard to know which is the right one that like, okay, that's the feel I'm searching for. Specifically, if you hit wiffle balls all the time, like that, you know, because the inherent nature of that thing is that it's going to carry. And you can end cap it, you can slice it, you can cut it, and it's still going to carry. And I've seen kids who are like, yes, I got that one. And they get in a ball, get in a ball game, and they can't find a barrel. Right. Or everything they find is just like really bad, bad ball outcomes. And it's like, well, you train in a way where the feedback feedback is really not good. Right. You don't understand when you are, when you catch a barrel and when you dump. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then the second way, you know, if, if I had my druthers is with the smashies, right? Yep. With the smash factor balls, because you can turn velocity up. Yep. Squaring them up is going to be, again, inherently more difficult than with a five ounce, nine inch circumference baseball. Um, but you can do so in a way where... There's no potential cost. Right. You know, I think a lot of times when we, we put kids against high velo machines with regular baseballs, I understand why they get a little, you yeah, know, a little tense. Sure. Like nobody wants to get, you know, their their thumbs sawed off. It's not fun. Right. Um, with the Smash Factor balls, you can ramp that up. Yep. Um, and so for me, it's like I, I was talking to somebody. It was like when, uh, when Danny and I used to go hit down in our local field, and if you go deep dive on my socials, you can see probably years of that footage. Everything started with Side Soft. Um, and Side Soft for me was like the – I just – I was so happy that we found that instead of the T. 
because his movement solutions and his swings were always relative to time. Right. And it was still in a, in a hitting environment that's like relatively, I don't want to say easy, but the task difficulty is reduced, right? It's greater than T, but it's thus less than live. Sure. And then as he started to get more comfortable, we would play around with it. And if we were doing like a round of eight or nine, it'd be like three that are kind of like our normal cadence, three that were pretty firm, and then three where I would like literally get some loop in there and try to like force him to adapt. Yeah. And we would have fun with it. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, we both got that feedback about did the ball get hit flush or not, right? And at a certain point, there were those ones where he started to get a little bit older and he was starting to get good at moving fast, where he would cut them a little bit and they would still end up like in the outfield of our little, little league field that we yeah. would hit at. Um, but he would still know. He's like, oh, like I, I, I missed that one a little bit. And, I, you know, I, I like that idea, you know, the, um, the sophisticated simplicity. It's like we can understand all this stuff about task dif- difficulty of hitting. We can understand all this stuff about the link between perception and action. Uh, shout out to Rob Gray, who's just like the king of that stuff. Yep. Um, you know, we can talk about this really discreet skill of being able to get good at moving fast. But at the end of the day, um, if you buy a youth underload bat and you buy some minis, you're going to go out on a field and you're just going to try to hit them flush. It's dead simple. <laughs> it's, yep. It's dead simple. And it's like I, you know, when I think about some of the people um, that are very, uh, I guess caustic is a good for, word for it, the people that gatekeep a little bit in youth baseball about the way that we train, et cetera, et cetera. Um, a lot of those criticisms ends up getting thrown at like the, the gimmicky stuff, you know, the gadgets or whatever. And I, man, look, I've been that guy who, you know, on a Friday night date night with my wonderful wife has gone to like Home Depot to buy PVCs. Like, you know, that, that's the thing that we've done to try to like do it. So, so I understand, you know, some of that criticism. I certainly would be, um, I'd be being disingenuous if I didn't say that I bore some of it, but at the end of the day, the tool that we developed, the Youth Underload Smash, is simply designed like you're to learn how to hit by hitting. Yep. And you're going to do what it with a concept. <laughs> and you need to do it with like a very simple, like a simple to communicate objective: hit the ball far and hit the ball flush. And I, I just, I'm, I'm pretty convicted that like because kids have never really had a tool to get them that consistent underload stimulus before to really develop super maximal bat speed, and combining that with a really simple and discrete objective of moving fast accurately. I think it's just a dead simple tool to help hitters get better. That's why we made it. Well said. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. why we made it. Um, and, you know, I, I like we were talking to some other guys about um, about tech. Right. And like how you can start to go like, all right, well, that the youth under the smash bats like pretty cheap. Um, would you want to throw a blast sensor on it? I'm like, sure. Absolutely. It's going to be different than the signal that you're going to get when you put that blast sensor yep. um, on your game bat. Right. But you can kind of understand both of those things, and that's context. Feedback is good. Crazy idea. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm really happy with that. Um, I'm also really excited about the, the next bat we have coming. Um, I, I, probably, I guess we could talk about it. Should we? We're, Let's save that for another podcast. Yeah, we'll save that because we we're that we're probably that. like we're probably like thirty days out from talking about that. Um, but yeah, Youth Underload Smash has been a, a real big success, man. Shout out to you guys for supporting it. I, I hope this idea of just 
you know, I think part of the the luxury that we have for running Academy is that we have kids, we have a captive audience and it's like, we, we develop tools to solve our problems. Yep. You know, um, I think for a lot of our high school kids, yeah, I mean, I've I had some people this weekend who were like, would you do this with high school hitters? And it's like, uh, I mean, it depends. You know, if you if you have a high school hitter who really needs like good underload stimulus, depends you, on training age, depends on biological yeah. age. Like those are those are some pretty big factors there. Yeah, I mean, and if you and if you have a kid where that stuff matches up, and it might make sense to go like, hey, let's do youth underload smash, but let's do it with like really firm front flips with the minis. That still could be like a really good and challenging hitting environment, mm-hmm. um, and you could actually go back and forth between the youth underload smash thirty two and like the hand eye trainer thirty three that's basically weighted like a game bat. Right. I man, I, if you ripped a six week program of just doing those two things, that'd be kind of gas. Yeah, you're probably gonna see some pretty pretty great results. Yeah, yeah, that'd be that'd be pretty gas. Um, so, anyways, uh, yeah, youth underload smash. I've shilled for it enough. Um, Northwest Baseball Coaches Association was just this last weekend. Um, so you were you were on PTO. So it was me, Rhodesy, Skolnicki, Kyle, Gary, and um, and Hershey, young Hershey. Um, it was a it was a real it was a real good time. Um, and I was just like when I did my thing on Sunday, uh, it's like you know I've done some version of this talk in Dallas, Chicago. Uh, where was ABC? Uh, Virginia. Virginia. Like I, New York. Um, like I've done it all over the place, but it's nice to be able to do it in the Northwest. Yeah. Like it's nice to be able to talk to, to those coaches um, and just try to figure out like what's what's working for them. And I, I, you know, I will say that like I will start that talk with like let's set the landscape right. We talk about the participation de- decline. We talk about the retention stuff because I want to make the case. You know, mm-hmm. like I want to make the case that something needs to change. Um, but the people that came up to us and like said something to me, uh, in the room or in the hallways or at the booth, it's like, there are a lot of people that are trying to do this thing the right way. Yeah. And I think to be able to see that, um, in the Northwest specifically is pretty cool. Yeah. Like, and I, and I'm sure that, you know, I probably paint with too broad of a brush about some of the bad stuff. Like I, you know. I, I, I talk about, you know, the fact that like this whole, it bleeds, it leads culture about social media and, and I'm aware I'm probably a little bit too sensitive to that stuff, but it is nice, man. You get out and talk to people and it's just like, yeah, I'm just, they're like, I get it. Yeah. There's a lot more of them than you think there are. And there's a lot less of the social media people than you think there are. Yeah. hundred percent, hundred percent. So that, that part was, was really good. Um, Kyle gave a very great, a very, I mean, he's always, he's cost pretty good. Yeah. Um, he, yeah. But, you know, uh, I think the one thing that we were talking about a lot uh, all weekend was just like systems, you know, and I think Kyle on Saturday night did this talk about, yeah, you know, we have all this tech and it's a luxury, right? It gives us a lot of insight. But if you understand the system, then you can start to find a way to implement the same systems wide approach with whatever you have access to. Right. And like, and started obviously with, you know, the high output, high output management, like making breakfast, which is just like, as it always does, as it always does, man. It's like, you got to figure out, well, I got to make eggs and I got to make toast and I got to make coffee and applying that stuff to player development. is just like the most dead simple way to kind of think about those concepts. Um, so it's, it's always really cool to see that stuff come out. Um, 
we uh, we were very very big on selling the vibrating massage balls this weekend. Ten of them. Ten of them. Ten of them. Shout out to people that wanted to to increase their uh, active recovery or, or competition prep with the vibrating massage balls. That was good. Um, yeah, it was it was a good time with those dudes. It was a real good time. I was bummed to miss it. That's always a, a fun weekend. Yeah. Next. Well, and I I don't want to let the cat out of the bag, but um, it sounds like there's a possibility that future NWBCAs might not always be only in Portland. They might, because the Northwest is a big area. And it is. Yeah. I don't know, like that That would be cool. Um, it'd be really great, I think, to you know, to be able to, to continue to, to participate there. Um, Jason and those guys, Wade, man, they, they, run, a, they run a phenomenal event. It's always really good. Um, trying to think of what else we saw down there. Uh, Talked to a lot of like the uniform thing. There's a lot of people that are in the uniform game, and always, always, always. Um, but yeah, other than that, NWBCA was a good time. You know, we had a dude. We went to Outback uh, on Saturday night. So like, you know, we're one of the things at these conferences is like you you have to you know you try to talk to people and find out stuff that works for them, and yep. we have stuff for sale. So we sit down. And so like we you know we'll talk about movies like The Boiler Room. You know, and like guys that are like closing, like the you know the Glenn Gary, Glenn Gary, Glenn Rosses of the world. Posters around this room behind us. That's right. That's right. And um, so we've been talking about this stuff like all weekend. So we sit down for um, for Outback, and it's like the six of us. And like we're you know we're beefy boys. Uh, the server comes up to us, and he's like, uh, "You guys think about a blooming onion?" And so he's like, "Yeah, let me get one." He's like, "You want two? All right, I guess yeah, we, we want yeah, to. Yeah, we do. You're <laughs> like, right. It's just like this dude is closing on us. Yeah. He, yeah, he crushed us. It was, it was pretty electric to see. Um, and you crushed both those blooming onions. The, the oh yeah, they, yeah. yeah no, question. we didn't, we didn't send any back. We didn't send any back. I had a blooming onion in probably a decade. It's been a while. It's been a while. That sauce that they have for those things is fire. Yeah, it is. Um, the other thing that I thought we could talk about was just college showcase. Because sure. I didn't really talk about that last week. Um, do you want to like soup to nuts this whole thing? Like, yes, we we hold a showcase for all of our high school academy kids who qualify every year. Uh, did our first one down there in, in Arizona this year is with year one down there, uh, and did our second consecutive one up here. Um, we have the our qualifying metrics are: you got to be an eighty mile an hour thrower, uh, you have to be top eighth at eighty five. Uh, we're going to have to change these metrics every year because yeah. there is a limit to how many kids can, can really qualify. And how, um, did we give them basically like eight weeks to kind of like communicate to the yep. kids about what that was? About yeah. what those goals were and, yeah, and like we, what numbers you wanted to hit. Yeah, we gave them the target. For sure. And and we we didn't really need to, right? Like every one of these kids wants to throw 80. Yeah. Uh, the, the harder one is the top eighth exit velocity of 85. Yeah. Because uh, they have to pay a little bit more attention to what their top eighth is over time. Which is a good um, thing. Which is a good thing, right? Yeah. It's a good thing. Um, and we had, you know, a couple of boys uh, miss it by half a mile an hour or so. Yeah. And, you know, that's life. Um, but, yeah, we tend to skew towards younger uh, younger ages, especially up here. Um, and, yeah, it went really, really well. Um, we had some some PRs hit up here. Yeah. Some PRs hit down there. Um want to shout out all the college coaches that rolled through. Uh, yep, absolutely. Much appreciated. Um, and I think there's a real lack of of uh, of understanding from the youth baseball scene at large about how recruitment works. 
Um, yeah. So, um, you know, Connor Reynolds, who we mentioned earlier, put together a nice little recruiting slide deck for our, for our families of, of kind of where you need to be uh, each year and benchmarks you need to be hitting. Because um, a lot of people really are, are just in the dark. Um, and who you're competing against. And who you're competing against, yeah. right? That's, you know, the biggest thing. And, you know, the, the very first slide that he has, well, I think it's actually the second slide because the first slide is just the title slide. It's the first three slides, I think, after the title slide are all about GPA. Yeah. Because, you know, um, I'm not going to out any kids here, but uh, it's, it is much more difficult uh, to really get college interest from a kid if they are under a 3.0 GPA. So if, if yeah. you, uh, our demographic is mostly parents, but if you're listening and you don't have a 3.0 GPA, or if your child is struggling in school, uh, they're like, don't go get lessons, go get tutoring. Because that makes a world of difference. Uh, the amount of schools and, and doors that opens up for you, uh, the better you are academically, the, the the less good you have to be at baseball. Yeah, I was going to say the converse is absolutely true. There are just yep. certain schools, um, like one of them that one of our old uh, academy coaches, uh, Alex Harder, used to work at, where like he was a high academic school, and like there were guys that he wanted to get, but just couldn't, like literally can't. Right. Like literally can't. Yep. And there's a, there's late bloomers. There's there's a late bloomer down in AZ who is relatively new to pitching. Mid eights uh, and sitting mid mid eights and, and PR during the showcase, and he's a senior, so it's a little late in the game for him. But he's got really really good grades, uh, and he's yeah. going to find somewhere to play because there are schools that are going to take him based on his grades alone. Yep. Um, and like you know, we've got the TrackMan data that we can send out to these schools, which which very much helps uh, to be able to send the TrackMan data as well as the other information we have on, on these athletes, but. Um, yeah, there's just nothing more important uh, than your grades because your metrics can be insane uh, and you will wind up having a difficult time to, to really finding somewhere to play, uh, especially a four-year college. If you want to do a four-year college, yeah. um, you're going to really struggle uh, if you are not at or above a 3.0. Yeah, to say nothing of like the economic ramifications there because if your grades are good enough because of like this 11.7 scholarship thing, there just there aren't a lot of scholarship opportunities, but there are a ton of academic scholarships. Yeah, we had an athlete up here get offered on the spot at the showcase, um, which was gas. It was awesome. Hit a couple eighty eights. Um, hadn't gotten any college interest and got an offer on the spot at the showcase, uh, and it was an offer with a good amount of money because he's a really good student, and and they can get him some academic money to supplement because you know a lot of these schools. 11.7 scholarships, that's at the D1 level, right? Like yeah. the, you don't have that many scholarships available to you. The more academic money you can get, the easier it's going to be for you to find somewhere to play and you to be able to afford to yes. play there. Yes, yes. Um, so, you know, he's they're basically going to be able to put together a package for him that includes free college Yeah. Uh, because he's a really good student. Um, and not for nothing, but uh, that was the final nail in the coffin, if you will, for the coach offering was the, the discussion about the grades. Yeah. And like, you know, this really good student, seems like a really nice kid. Yeah. He's throwing 88. I, I don't understand why, like, and, you know, I'm, and the recruiting pitch was, I was standing there with him. He was honest with the kid that I'm going to move fast because I don't want anybody else to see you. Right. And that's, that's a thing that you as an athlete should know that yeah. like certain amount of coaches are going to put a little bit of pressure on you because, 
they, that's a good thing. They don't want you to get seen by anybody else. Um, but the, the grades were the final nail in the coffin there. And, and that was very important to that coach. He refuses to take anybody under 3-0 yeah. because I'm not going to be your parent while you're in college. I'm not going to make sure. And, and I'm sitting there as they go through the recruiting pitch. And, you know, he says, I only take kids who are 3-0. And then he walked this athlete through before he talked about facilities or how they train or lifting or anything like that. He walked them through the academic process of, you know, this is the GPA we look for. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you fall under that GPA over any two-week stretch or three-week stretch, uh, you, your first strike is you then have to do t- tutoring once a week. Yeah. Your second strike is tutoring twice a week. Your third strike is tutoring every single day. Uh, and you're going to lose practice time and, and things like that. And, you know, it's, colleges care a ton about that, uh, yeah. that portion of it. Um, it's and it's funny. It's like you know we can kind of make fun of some of the 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 upper echelon guys, where like maybe the student athlete thing is a little bit of a joke. Like and and I and I suppose in some places that is true. It depends on the sport. A hundred percent, and I think a lot of that feels a little more footbally to me and basketbally. Sure, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, the schools absolutely. that the the programs that have uh, I should say sports, not programs. The sports that have you know more scholarships than yeah. than God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, like you, you're gonna have kids who school is I, not a reason I'm going to this school. Baseball players, by and large, do not have that luxury. Correct. And, and it, I always like this. Kind of comes back to like the you know what you said years ago. It's just like the don't you don't scout the outlier. You know, like right. that situation may be true for some people, but it doesn't mean it's gonna be true for you. It doesn't mean it's gonna be true for any of the colleges you're looking at. And like, and for that guy that got offered on the spot at our showcase. I don't, I mean, he checked me on this, but it wasn't like the coaches asked, like, oh, well, you know, how many AP classes are you taking? Like, you know, that's not on the table. And, like, and I, I know some kids who, and look, I'm not trying to suggest that any push you to, like, set their sights lower because they're trying to, like, game theory optimal a better GPA. But the conversation is just, like, is the number at the threshold that I need it to be? And if it is doors open up right and it's there's at least I mean, on the baseball side right like if you're right. just trying to go to a college i'm sh- like i know that they're going to be like looking at your course load they're going to look at that like that's for sure a thing on this side of things i, I don't know that co- baseball coaches are asking those questions nope and we've got uh we have higher gpa requirements with our teams yep. than school teams do I, yep. it's honestly a massive shame how low the school qualifications are to be eligible to play most schools, it's like 2.0. Yeah. That's setting these kids up for failure, allowing them, like, it's almost, it should be almost flipped. Yeah. Where, like, you could get away with a 2.0 in college and still be eligible, which I yeah. believe is a thing. Most colleges will probably yeah. let you play at a 2.0. Uh, you should make it harder at first and then get easier as it as it goes, qualification-wise, because yeah. school gets harder as, as you go up yep. the ladder. So it sure. should be, it should reflect that a little bit. And high schools are, by and large, doing a really massive disservice to a lot of these kids by allowing them to skate through with a C average and yeah. be eligible. And then, oh, it, times, it comes time for, for college athletics and you don't have a whole lot of opportunities because you have a 2.3 GPA. And you were it's able tough. to get through high school with a 2.3 GPA and play every year. Yep. And now that's being taken away from you and it, yep. it 
if I had my druthers, it would be flipped the other way. Yeah. Uh, so we've got a little bit more strict in ours, and we have very few kids that are under a 3.0 in our entire high school academy. Yeah, and I think you're right because, like, just from a standpoint of the behavior that you're conditioning for the kids and, like, in the priorities that they that they set. Yep. You know, like, I I mean, not to put not to put my boy on the spot, but, like, he skated through middle school and basically never had to do anything at home, like, e- ever. And then high school came, and there was an adjustment because mm-hmm. that, that changed, and his behavior hadn't um, – he hadn't been conditioned to kind of accept that as a normal thing. Right. And I've, I'll never forget this kind of like this conversation we had. It was this moment of, of like, I think a perception of injustice. It was yeah. like, like how, how dare they? Like, I have to, like, work at home? It's like – yeah, buddy. Like you, you know, you got through middle school, and you know, and grades are pretty good, and didn't have to do that. But like, it's it's not always going to be that way. And if you don't learn this lesson now, it's going to be a problem later. Yep. Um, and I mean, that was the good thing is like we were able to. I mean, shoot, you know, we've talked about this stuff about like information on grades being kind of parallel to information on like sport performance. And getting that information sooner, allowing you to be uh, react or like proactive, proactive instead of yeah. reactive, right? Yeah. We were able to be proactive because we got that information. Early. And and I was, you know, I was down in Arizona last weekend. Yeah. Um, talking to the parents down there and, you know, there's a lot of these kids that are going from school to uh, high school baseball practice and then they're going to go drive to driveline later that night mm-hmm. uh, and they don't live close to the facility. So you're like the, the question has to be asked. At what point are they doing homework and at what point are they eating and at what point are yep. they sleeping? Yep. And like the sit, we have optimized the system in, in what a lot of, because a lot of parents are in the dark and they don't quite understand how a lot of these things work. A lot of people feel like, oh, we need to do more. We have to go to more. We have yep. to do more. And the more you do on the, the skill side, whatever sport you are, the more speed and agility training you go do and, you know, yoga or whatever yep. you're doing the less time you are leaving for academics, for proper nutrition, for proper sleep, and you're not going to get the benefits of doing more. Yes. And it's like listening to some of the parents down there, it's like, you know, when are they doing homework? And then to have them be like, well, it's in, you know, in the, in the car. Okay, what are they eating? Well, we're going fast food and it's in the car. You know, you could, uh, you could gain a lot back by doing less and doing those things correctly. Correct. That's, and you know, t- yeah. we talk about ROI a lot. Yeah. Like you know, I there are a couple of uh, up, upstanding young men on my team. You know who you are if you listen to this. Uh, who have struggled a little bit with with the adjustment to high school. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had finals last week. And you can't, uh, well, you can. It's just not going to work super well if you don't do much and then you try to cram for the final. Because, hey, guess what? You saw baseball practice the night before the final. Yeah. So, like, are you, you, like I'm not going to let you come because, yeah. like, I know you have finals tomorrow and, I, and we've, we've talked, so I know you're not super confident about this final. So, you, you're, you the hate, ROI like, is you're better. All, right. Like, I, I really want you to throw this intended zones bullpen today. Yeah. It, it is going to benefit you as a baseball player especially leading up to high school season. It's going to benefit me as your coach for summer ball. Uh, I want you to throw this intended zones bullpen. If you are going to struggle on your final tomorrow because you came tonight and threw an intended zones bullpen, 
uh, that intended zones bullpen is not worth yeah. what we're going to do. Uh, and that has been, you know, with finals for our kids were generally last week or the week before. And that was the situation with a lot of these kids is they is time management. I mean, time management is the skill most adults have but, or don't have. But, yes. um, yeah, kids really struggle with time management. And, like, when you get to that point in the year uh, when you have finals and you need to cram a ton before finals, baseball practice still happens. These other things at school right. still happen. And you've run out of time. Yeah, it, the whole thing very much starts to resemble like the you know Raiders of the Lost Ark, man. It's Indiana Jones running away from that big ass boulder. Yeah, and the you're right. Like the the intention of all this, I think, is to help kids start to understand that you need to make those choices, you need to make those sacrifices. Yep. And you know, I think for um, I mean, again, I'll ju- I'll just speak you know specifically for my own kid. It wasn't that he didn't have time to do the homework at home, even with the fact that we're here four nights a week. Right. What it was is the choices that he was making yeah. when he was home. We talk about short-term sacrifice versus long-term yep. development. The absolutely, same thing. absolutely. Okay. And like, and look, man, I, you know, when I was a younger person, uh, I was perhaps one of the worst people in human history about delaying gratification. I, I, I get it. I absolutely get it. Um, but that I think for me, you know, at least as a parent and the way that we kind of run this thing, it's like it's all the reason why. I love the fact that we're trying to send that signal now. Yeah, as early as we can. Yeah, as early as we can so the kids can be proactive about it. Yep, because, um, I mean, you know, I talked to the kids that were that were showcasing, and I've talked to my 15-year-olds about this, but, like, college baseball programs don't want baseball players. They want athletes. They want humans. The ones that just want baseball players are the ones that don't really care about you. They just yeah. want to win games, and like you are disposable to them. Yeah. The programs that you're gonna that you should go to if you want to have a good college baseball experience are ones that care about the whole person and not just their ability to play baseball. So if you get to that point when you're a junior and your grades are not good and your sleep is really bad and your nutrition is really bad, but hey, you have seen you know Johnny hitting coach four times a week and your mechanics are really good. That college baseball coach, uh, the right college baseball coach, isn't going to care. And you're gonna, right. you you have already it's already too late for the for the the real college baseball coaches. Right, and that and I think all that kind of comes back to is like, is it worth making those choices? Understanding the potential, like what's the best case scenario? Right. You know, and again, like it's zero point zero 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 two six two whatever whatever of guys that actually played just one game in the show yeah so you know i I mean this is probably a wild example to throw out but it's a monday it's been a long weekend i was reading the most recent article in espn about wander franco we are the world's most dangerous youth baseball podcast. For a reason. Uh, but the point that I'm going to make here has nothing to do with his truly abhorrent behavior. Um, but he dropped out of school when he was 12. Like, I, I knew he was, you know, I knew it was probably like that. I, I didn't realize it was 12. Yeah. And um, I think you could make, make a little bit of, like, a prognostication that well it's, it stunted his social emotional learning yeah man and, and like your ability to make choices that are informed by just like a logical 
cost-benefit analysis, risk assessment, and also not being like a completely deplorable human being. Like, let's not bury the lead there. Um, it certainly wasn't helped by the fact that he dropped out of school at 12. And and again, you know, if that's a thing that can be permitted in the DR, in Puerto Rico, in Venezuela, whatever, whatever, uh, of all the Wander Francos of the world who got the thing that they wanted, which is you got some time in the show, how many kids don't? Way more than the ones that do. Uh-huh. How could it not be, right? Like, that's just that's just a fact. Yeah. And, um, you know, so you start to make these choices about showcasing and evaluating college opportunities and having that stuff inform your decisions about how you need to approach high school as not just like a, a stepping stone to a future baseball opportunity, just like a developmental place in your life as an adult. Yeah. I mean, it's like the old, those old, uh, maybe, maybe they're still running the NCAA commercials where it's like, you know, most of these people are going to go pro in something other than sports. Yeah. It's like, yep, yeah, that's, that's it. That That's it. Like they, that's you it. need to develop some other skills there. And it's, the, the transition from eighth grade to high school for a lot of kids, depending on where you go to school for sure, yeah. but a lot of kids, isn't all that dissimilar from the transition up in field size. Yes. Where like, yeah, I yeah. like, oh, this is a little eye-opening for me. Like there's yeah. a lot more that I am responsible for now. The, the field is bigger, the, you know, the, the school is harder, whatever it is. And that adjustment, if we don't emphasize as they get, from 14 year to 15 year or eighth grade to high school. Yeah. If like we as youth baseball coaches aren't emphasizing how important that piece is as early as we can, uh, there's, they're going to struggle because the grades matter as soon as you start your freshman year. If you struggle freshman year, oh, that is still going to be on your transcript yep. your senior year. Yep. And like, again, we have a couple of, of boys on my team who have struggled with that adaptation yeah. to being a little bit more independent having to work a little harder at something that used to come relatively easy to them and like, and making those choices and sacrifices yep. that are going to have to like, you got to dig yourself out. Yep. And yeah. let's learn it first semester of, of, of high school. Yeah. Like I wish we hadn't learned. I wish we had learned it earlier, but like if that's the, the, the latest that we're learning it, we're going to be in a really good spot once you get to senior year. Yeah. If you are sitting there as a junior trying to learn this lesson, it's too late. There's not Sorry. really a way if you're a junior with a 2.5 GPA to like without working your butt off and sacrificing a lot in the athletic space, there's not really a way to get you to a point where you are like consistent. Like you basically have to 4.0 your, the rest yeah. of your high school career when yeah. it is the hardest. Yeah. It is harder junior and senior year. You can't set yourself up in a position where, you know, I'm going to showcases every weekend because this is what matters. Well, or tournaments, I'm driving to these long tournaments every weekend during school, things like yeah. that. Like, I'm flying to Vegas for a tournament, and my kid's not going to school this week because we're going to go to Vegas in March or mm -hmm. Arizona in March, and, like, where I'm going to pull him out of school for this week. And it's fine. It's just, it's just a week of school. Like, this is way better for his baseball career. And it's like, well, the message that we are sending is the, the one that college baseball coaches, the good college baseball coaches, really don't want us to be sending. Dude, when, when I took Danny with me to ABCA and our flights got all jacked up and we got home super late, I was worried about, like, how that was going to affect his school that mm -hmm. Monday. Yeah. You know, like, ordinarily we would should, should have been home at, like, I don't know, 6 or 8 or whatever. You can get home until way after midnight. Yeah. He's not going to get to But the door stayed long. on the plane. Door stayed on the plane. <laughs> Big unlock to have the door stay on the plane. Um, let me ask you a question. 
So, so our high school kids train effectively like four days a week, basically. Yeah, they're here. They're in the building Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and then they're outside on Sundays. You know, I've I've thought sometimes, and like I'm just a hundred percent honest, that like maybe we should do more because because we could just do more. But like now that we're having this conversation, there's a part of me that's like, man. Not even including everything I understand about general adaptation system, overtraining, um, the need for recovery, the need for a break, like mental break from baseball. I don't know, man. I'm I'm kind of inclined to say that like four four days a week of highly intentional, highly focused, highly structured, high value practice. It's kind of the sweet spot. I mean, you're. They... Like, would you want to go fives if we can go fives or sixes? I mean, so we, we, we technically allow that. We do with the opens. Right? right. We have open gyms that they can come yeah. to. So, like, our, uh, if you show up just to your own practices, you're spending 11 hours a week at, like, training and practicing. Yeah. And that is, is not counting the travel time. Not the, yeah. Which, <laughs> for a lot of people, is, is yes. at least an hour each, yes. like, every day you're here. Like, you know, going there and back. It's Even yep. if you live close, it's, you know. It's an hour. It's an hour, uh, even if you live within a half an hour. Um, and then if you're a kid that comes to open gyms, you are now adding two to four hours of training uh, and and the subsequent travel time that yeah. follows that. It's it's a lot of time that you're committing. Um, and like, you know, part of me has thought that we should gate open hitting by grades. Yeah. And if, you're, if your grades aren't good, then... Yeah. You should not be allowed to come into to open gym. We also, I, and I don't know another program that does this, although I hope that I'm wrong and there are programs that do this, but like we've got some incredibly smart people who work here, specifically who work with our kids, mm-hmm. uh, who are always uh, not only willing to help these kids with homework and, yeah. and help them yeah. understand things, uh, but are like pushing that message that like nothing is more important than this. And like, look, I'm not going to bury the lead. A lot of our kids are slightly on the more intelligent side because it's a self-selected thing for the kids that come here and want the data sure. and want the data-driven approach yep. and, and really like the numbers and stuff. So I would say that we probably are our average, I mean, IQ is stupid, but like our average intelligence level for our kids is probably above where like the average for that age group for yeah. like baseball teams is. Yep. And that's just like a, a self-selected thing. Yeah. Um, but like we offer that to our kids. We, yeah. we talk to them about that all the time. And like other programs aren't necessarily doing that because it doesn't, I mean, it doesn't benefit us. Right. Like I, I don't benefit if a kid has a 3.0 versus a 2.7. No. Like, I mean, I mean it's easier arg- to get them into college, but like... Yeah, you can make the argument that the other way, you know, there's more benefit for us to have uh, less guardrails there. So you could just go like, all right, well, if you want to completely sell out against school and devote all your time to sport, that like it would probably, if it could, that might improve maybe some of our teams. Yeah, but the... But it's not it, setting it, them it up would. for... Right, but that's the, you know, that's not what we're trying to do. Correct. That's not. That's not how we want to go about doing this. And like it's, and it's we talk not, about winning our way a lot. Yeah. Like the way we want to win, and that's not the way I want to win. Because it's an, and it's not good for them long term. Correct. Like it's just not. You right. Know, Everything like, should be about long term development, and that's not just like the baseball skill side. Yeah, um, for sure. 
But I think that's like one of the more eye-opening pieces of the showcase for the kids is, you know, uh, we can cut this if you want, but your son was felt some sort of way about having the second lowest GPA on the roster. But above a 3-0. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but yeah. we had a lot of high academic kids on that yeah. roster. And it's a really good thing that he's sitting there with a 3-1, right. feeling like an idiot. Up to a 3-2 now. Up to a 3-2, but yeah, because we had finals <laughs> last week. But like, you're not an idiot. You, you are doing very well. Yeah, like yeah. Like a 3-1, we're in, we're in really good shape. Yeah. But like, it's a good thing that he looks at the roster and the way we put our roster, that's like the first column before we get to any of the, the yeah. actual metrics. Yeah. And that sticks out at him is that like, wow, like a lot of our older kids are way better in school than I am. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's only going to get harder. And yeah. like, I, I do think uh, in a lot of cases, I mean, just hearing some of the stuff I hear from the kids about the, about school nowadays and what that kind of looks like. It's kind of crazy because I went through a very different experience. I don't know if it's like me growing up in the Chicago area versus, versus Washington. Yeah. Um, but I, I think a lot of these kids are being set up for like a rude awakening at some point. Correct. And the earlier we can have that rude awakening, it's less rude. Yeah. It's just an awakening at that point, And that's yeah. like a good thing. So, and again, um, being, being proactive and not reactive, right? Right. Like, if you're a 13 and 14 new head coach and you're not talking about grades with your kids who are in seventh and eighth grade who want to play college baseball, you are doing them a disservice because the more you talk about it at, the, at those ages, the less you have to talk about it when they hit 15. Yeah. Correct. And Cause it's they already get it. It's coming. Right. Yeah. So on the off chance that someday after I've taken a dirt nap, my kids are like going back to listen to this thing. I'll provide a little bit of context. Cause like, yeah, you know, D, D was at a three one, because he, he did have to make that adjustment like early in the mm -hmm. year. Um, and we had to have those conversations about like, yeah, you know, there is, there is some amount of like sacrifice or change that you need to make to some of the behavior. Um, but the funny thing was, is we were talking about it. And I think sometimes when kids, when kids don't have the habit of making those choices that are going to put them in a position to be more likely to get the better grade outcome that they want. And then they get that great outcome that they don't want. And they're like, it, it feels, uh, it feels a little bit definitive, right? Mm -hmm. It feels like, well, I'm, I'm, I must not be smart. Right. Or I, it feels very prescriptive. Mm -hmm. The conversation that we were able to have is I was just like, um, I was like, buddy, you tell me the thing that you haven't gotten good at if you just put time into it. The hard work guarantees you honesty. And he was like, and I'm like, no, for real. Yeah. You, you tell me the thing. And I'm not just talking about sports. I'm not just talking about video games. I'm talking about things, period. So again, it kind of comes back to Weathers 101, man's chapter one, verse one. The reason that we are so attached to this idea of training with data and providing that feedback about improvement is it's, yeah, man, I guess it's about baseball, but it's also not. Right. It's about like this holistic way that you view your life, which is you get an assessment of how you're performing at something. And once you have that assessment, you want to improve it. Right. I don't think it was till that point that he really understood the relationship between that concept that we applied in sports and grades. Right. Yeah. But the moment that he realized it, it was like, Oh, okay, cool. And then he's like bringing his trifold because of course there's a trifold, yep. right? Uh, 
bringing his trifold thing home to work on it over the holiday weekend. And he's setting up a day to talk to his buddies so they can do homework like together over FaceTime. You just have to kind of have that realization that like, okay, yes, I might have to sacrifice some of my social time or or like or whatever, or like scrolling on your phone time, because that's a real thing yeah, for it's kids. It's a real thing. That, you know, I um look, man, I would I would love to tell you guys that I've just like I've got super high level control over my kids and the amount of time that they spend on their phone and like I lock down the screens. Like we we haven't done that for a couple of years because they're older, like 17, and as of today, 15. Again, if you listen to this someday in the future, happy birthday, I love you. Um, they need to understand that, like, ultimately, look, I can I can do all the parental controls, and I can, I can run your life like a drill sergeant, but you're not going to be in my house forever. Right. You're going to be out there, and you have to make your own decisions and your own choices, and you have to deal with the ramifications of yep. them. Yep. So I would rather... I would rather let him maybe spin a little bit off axis at the beginning of the school year yep. and us then have the opportunity to talk about it. And again, hey, what have you ever not gotten good at that you put time into? Oh, the answer is nothing? Tight. Then this is a solvable problem. Yep. This isn't this isn't Indiana Jones uh, running away, fleeing from the gigantic boulder that's going to crush you. It's taking two steps to the side of the track. You're not out of the way of the boulder. You just have to change your behavior. Yeah. It's it's a lot about priority setting. Yep. 100%. And like directing the kids back to like what is your priority. If at any point, unless you are playing professional baseball, your priority is baseball over school, we, are, we have taught it wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Whoever your coach is has, has taught that wrong. And it's wrong because it's highly, it's highly unlikely that that ROI is going to pay off. So instead, you're just going to be stunted and inadequately prepared to be a functional adult. Yep. And the ROI in, in prioritizing school not only does things outside of baseball, but again, it also opens doors in baseball. Yep. Yeah, facts. And like you, you can be not as good. You can throw 86 instead of 89 and get a college offer. Yeah. Because you have better grades than the guy who throws, yeah. who throws 89. That's a mass like 86, 89 may not seem like a massive difference. That's a massive difference. A three mile an hour difference for like a righty arm is a really big difference in that stage. And you are going to get more opportunities as an 86 with a 4.0 GPA than you are as an 89 with a 2.8. It's just the way it works. I'll, I'll go one step further. You could be 76 and have stellar grades and have a decently competitive high school career. And you could be... Uh, a kid that we're like, we want to hire. I mean that too. You, you know who I'm talking about. Um, be, because, and it's like, and that's, and the, that's the thing, right? I think that's, I think we want to do both, you know, like, yes, certainly. Um, we had kids that showed out in the showcase. Um, we had kids who, you know, and the way that we did it is we had, um, I guess we didn't really even talk about this, right? We had cage hitting that was just right. like machine, and again, you know, you go to most of these showcases, you're going to get like what eight eight pitches. Yeah, it, I mean, it's eh, you get. Are you talking eight, about off the bump? Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, it ain't. It's eight, not a lot. Eight to fifteen, depending on right. You know, so what, so what kind of show? I mean, if it's like a game showcase, you might get a, a couple yeah. innings, but like a lot of these, like one day showcases, yeah. 
you get 10, 15 off. Yeah. So like our kids, you know, we've, we've got a machine. It's set up just running the whole time. They can jump in there. We're collecting content so they can just show it off. And yep. that's, I mean, that's what the showcase should be, Correct. right? But then in addition to that, we're also running live ABs yep. and scheduling hitters to face comparable pitchers um, so that they can do both. Yep. Right. And, um, you know, like there's, I mean, I was thinking of, um, you know, one of our players who I don't think PR'd on the night, but because the signal isn't binary, he did have two just like massive, massive extra base hits in the lives. Oh, uh, he was not close to PR. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, so, hey, man, both of those things can be true. Yep. You know, like, and I think the, I mean, the amusing part about that is just that, um, I think he is a kid who is starting to realize this idea of approach mm-hmm. and, and, how, and skill application. I've got yeah. the skill. Yep. I've got the skill. Yes. I just need to learn how to apply it a little bit better, be a little bit more adjustable, adaptable. Yes. 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 And like, so we were able to, you know, and, and I think the idea is for, for coaches that are either showing up for us or coaches are going to consume the information later when we throw it out there for the, for us, for our socials, hand it out to the kids is you get a chance to see a little bit of both. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you can see, hey, these are my metrics. This is how I showed off in, like, the middle, middle cage, and then here it is in live. Yep. And we and we do this with kids as young as 15 because it's also important to yeah. get reps as a 15-year-old in front of some college coaches. Yep, yep. Right? Abs- like, if it, it is a nerve-wracking experience for these kids. There's there's pressure on them anytime they go to a showcase. The The more you can get reps at that and get comfortable doing that, and understand that like it's you, you're it's not life or death. Yeah. Um, the better off you are. Yeah. Well, and it's it's funny like when I did the solo pod last week, I, I was kind of talking about like the long tail story of like I'm I'm pretty sure that I screwed up my son's first live ABs. <laughs> like that's just you know like we we didn't help screw that up. I know better. Whatever. But I'm so glad that that happened. Yeah. Because when he went into our showcase, I don't think he cared that there were coaches there. He was just going out there trying to shove, and it was like. That's it. Well, if like, that, we, if we told the story, this these were one week apart. Yes, it was Monday and Monday. Yep, absolutely. And we have a breakdown on Monday, and I told I, I looked at him and I said, "We are one week away from you doing this in front of college coaches like this." Yeah, we can't react like this. We got to roll with the punches. Yep. We got and he immediately was like, "No, I'll be fine next week." I was like, "Okay, <laughs> yeah. okay," and uh, he had some fun. Yeah, no, it and was... like that's more than any like. He performed very well. He had a lot of fun. He had a lot of right. fun doing it. Right. Oh, it's that's super that, weird. It's, it's you possible can, to do those things at the same time. You can do those things at the same yeah. time. And the funny thing is, like, I was talking to somebody at the, the NWBCA who um, uh, is part of a uh, an organization that does showcase type of mm-hmm. stuff. And amusingly, because I'm, like, telling the story and I'm not trying to just, like, flex. I'm, like, literally, we we're just talking about coaching. He's like, well, you know, if you if you want him to come out to you know one of these events, like, just don't worry about registration. Just tell me when you want to come. It's like, the, and, which kind of proves the point that we've been telling you that like, if if the stuff is there, you might not necessarily have to pay to go to these showcases. They're just going to invite you. Um, but it's only because you you have to go into the thing with the right attitude like the right mindset and like sure it's an opportunity and you know ideally if you if you pick the right one you are going to be seen by coaches and you're not just like revenue for the volleys on their staff right which is the thing um but if you pick the right one 
and you have this opportunity to be in front of a coach, what they don't want to see is you just all like yipped up and super tight and super consequential about this thing. You got to go do the other thing. Right. Like you got to just go be you. And maybe being you is good enough to get the attention of college coach. Maybe being you is not good enough yet to get the attention of that college coach. And that's why... And you're exposing yourself to both of those outcomes. We don't put an arm on the mound who has not touched 80. F- facts. Facts. And, like an, and it wouldn't surprise me if that threshold went up a couple ticks next year. It's Hopefully, that's the hope. Yep. And we've talked about uh, separating it by age as well because we had a good amount of... I'll brag a little bit. There were a good amount of teams on kids on my team that made the high school showcases as 15-year-olds, and they were some of the better performers in the yeah. showcases, 15-year-olds. Yeah. And like, and we got some dudes coming next year from the this and we got some dudes coming too. next year. Um, and like having my kids have the same qualification thresholds as a junior may not make a ton of sense. Sure, because like it's it's impressive to throw 80 as a freshman. It's a little less impressive to throw 80 as a junior. Yeah, that's true. And so, like, it should probably increase. I mean, we're going to increase anyways as our talent level increases in the, yeah. in the academy. But, like, we're probably going to gate it a little bit by biological ages as well, yeah. um, where we don't want kids who aren't showcase worthy in all of the metrics yeah. being able to showcase. Like, yeah. we are going to have a GPA requirement next year. Yep. That like you can be the best player and you're not going to qualify if you're under a three zero because like I'm not showing you off to college coaches. And, That's and, all part of it. And you got to understand the reason behind that, which is is it like coaches are more likely to come to these things where there's a higher concentration of talent, right? Like you know if we go hey we're we're running a showcase and we throw out a bunch of like mid to low seven arms, they're not coming back. No one's going to if they do come, they're not coming back. Right. So we can't do that. Uh, but then to your point about the grades, okay, like rewind the tape on what we've been talking about for like the last 20 minutes. Right. If you're going to show them good enough stuff, you also need to show them kids that they can actually make work for their programs, which means we have to have an attachment to both. And it's it's selfish in a lot of ways because we, I, am not putting my name on a kid who I don't think would be a good fit playing college baseball. Sure. And if we have a kid who's really talented and just like doesn't care about the classroom, I'm not going to lie to a college coach about that. Yeah. That's terrible for me and for this program if I'm lying to college coaches to try to get kids placed, yeah. which happens all the time. You, yeah. You, that coach is going to trust you uh, either never again or just l- way less. Uh, and like losing those relationships hurts us long term recruiting wise. Yeah. So like I'm not going to lie for you to a coach because you couldn't get your butt to class. Yeah, and for us uh, the you know, the GPA is right on the sheet. It's right next to the all other metrics. It's right there. Because it matters to us and it's gonna matter to the college because they, they again, they have a threshold. Yep. And they have a threshold. You don't see any of these GPA any of this GPA talk at some of these other showcases. Now, there are absolutely scholastic showcases out there. They're sure. awesome events. They have GPA requirements. It's high academic schools that show up. But like the vast majority of showcase events that are out there, they, they are not caring uh, if you have a 2.3 GPA and drove six hours to go to their showcase instead of studying for a test. And, and to your point, right, like that parent who's cutting that check is making a decision because I think that it's just like fundamentally uninformed. You know, they're, they're going to that thing because the presumption is that, like, if my kid is good enough and 
it's the old like it just takes one coach. It right. just takes one coach, right? Okay, well maybe that's true, but if your GPA is a hindrance, it doesn't matter. Well, or and this is again where we get into the the outlier stuff. You know, I've when last year I was talking to my kids about you know GPA and, and next year because I've been ringing that yep. bell for at least two years now. Yep. One of the gentlemen on my team who who struggled with grades in middle school um, brought up Bryce Harper and was like, "Do you think Bryce Harper got good grades in high school?" I was like, "Are you Bryce Harper?" Like I, I can't tell you what kind of grades Bryce Harper got in high school, but like, are are you Bryce Harper? No, you're not. So you you need to get better grades. At your age, Bryce Harper was hitting balls 425, 450 feet yeah. at Tropicana Field and on the cover of Sports Illustrated. Yeah, and we can uh, split hairs You weren't even about... on the cover of your high school newspaper, or your like, <laughs> middle school newspaper, right? Like, we are so far from you being Bryce Harper yeah. that, like, if that's in what's in your mind, we are in trouble. Yeah, and, you know, we can split hairs about whether, you know, Bryce is swinging a, a, a super hot Beezer bat in Tropicana. Or the one that he supposedly hit like over the freeway. But, like you've but, seen I mean, that look, video, right? The, Bryce but, Harper, good at baseball, right? Like, like outlier. I mean, outlier, good at baseball. Yeah, we're just again. He was already in a position where of that zero point zero 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 two six two, he's probably already in the mix, right? And again, Bryce Harper also like got his GED to go to a JUCO. Right. He didn't graduate high school. Correct. That path is not and like, there for a lot I of people. I don't know, so I don't want to like cast aspersions, but like College of Southern Nevada isn't known for being a, an academic institution. It was pretty clear that he was there for, for one year. Correct. Nobody cared about his grades. Correct. I'm yeah. here for one year. I just have to be el- like JUCO eligible, and then I'm going to get drafted first overall. Yeah. Everybody knew that. You aren't that kid. You can't do that. Yeah, that is a, uh, you know, I mean. Or like uh, the, oh, well, like not everyone – in pro ball went to college like you you're gonna get drafted out of high school do you realize how difficult that is especially now and it's a lot of kids think that because they see their their guy whether it's mike trout or nolan arenado whoever it is well he didn't play college baseball yep you're not him like there's not a world in which you're gonna be him in the next two years so like let's like we have to do this the other way we've got to do the other thing here yeah, there's this, there's this kid I follow on uh, there's this kid I follow on Twitter uh, who is a he's a 28. Okay. Okay. Six three one eighty five. Uh, pretty sure he's run it up to like mid nines, um, and he is going like he just recently posted. Um, you know, he went to a, a showcase at a at a, a big university. Sure. I can guarantee you he didn't play. I, I, I can just guarantee you he did not pay. Straight up. Right. Uh, he's got leverage that 99% of the ecosystem doesn't have. Doesn't have. And he can't get offered right now because he's a 28, and the new rule change basically just means that they can't talk to you until, what, August of your sophomore year? Yeah. yeah. Um, so no, junior. Yeah, right. Between sophomore and junior. Yeah, that's right. Um. I understand, I, like, I understand that it's attractive to kind of, like, to prognosticate, to go, like, well, yeah, Bryce Harper probably didn't have to worry about grades. Um, you know, this kid that's 6'3", whatever, 185, as a as a, a true 14-year-old, sure, I get it. Um, 
that doesn't mean that that's the only path, right? I think there's a, there's a different path for these kids who have the right stuff at the right time and can show it off to the right school. But you have to be ready to pounce on that opportunity. And if you have just completely um, divorced yourself from any responsibility in the classroom, when you get to that spot, you don't have a time machine. No. And you're just cutting your legs off from talking to coaches and talking to schools that want to that want to might want to give you a spot to play. Well, like you said, this kid six three one eighty five at fourteen, he's got all the leverage in the world. One hundred percent. How are you going to create your leverage? Because because he's got it. He's got biological leverage. He's yep. got stuff leverage. It's yep. not the only type of leverage. Correct. There's a lot of types of leverage. You right. might not have the biological one. You can do all the other ones. That's yep. the only one that you can't. Just create out of thin air. Yep, that's right. But you can get leverage in every other category uh, by putting in the work. But just like expecting that biological leverage to come is is how you end up no yeah. longer playing baseball. Yeah, I mean, you just it's like you know you're you're waiting for Santa Claus to show up in July, man. This thing gonna happen. Yeah, I mean, I've uh, I was with some college friends this weekend, and I have a buddy who has been unemployed for some amount of time and like the honest answer is he's not really doing anything to change it he wants to have a job but like yeah well i don't want to do this well i don't want to do that it's like well you know there's got to be a point here where like you understand that you no longer have leverage right like you've been unemployed for a while like you have to do the hard thing and it's not just going to be handed to you and i think a lot of the way we talk about recruitment is it's going to be handed to you if you go to enough showcases. Yeah, 100%. And if you do enough things, it's just going to be handed to you. And, like, you can go to every showcase in the world. If you don't spend time in the classroom and spend time, like, on the skill stuff that matters, you won't, like, no amount of showcase appearances are going to improve your leverage uh, when you're talking to schools. Uh, Most schools will probably, uh, because, you know, ABCA is a thing that happens, and I talk to a lot of college coaches, and we hang out, and, like, those are the kids that they laugh at for going and paying for show, for 50 showcases a year and not ever doing the thing that they could have done very easily for a lot less money and a lot less work and a lot less travel that would have gotten them to the, the spot they wanted to go to. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're hundred percent right. It's like, I just think about some of these things are like one is an investment in a piggy bank that is sound. Mm-hmm. The other is an investment in a piggy bank with a hole at the bottom. Mm-hmm. And you're just dumping money, dumping money, dumping money, yep. dumping money. You're like, you're, you want to crack that thing open someday. And you're like, oh, I'm just going to reap this bountiful harvest. Uh, no, you're not. Yeah. No, you're not. Yeah. You under-indexed for all of the ways that you could have created leverage for yourself, either on the skill side, on the character side, on the competitive side, on the academic side. You have all of those opportunities and probably more than I'm not remembering. Yep. And you just dumped money into the piggy bank with a hole in it. Yep. The biological side, the the mechanical side, yep. like those types of things. Yep. Like it's just not, we talk about return on investment a lot, but that's like a real thing. You have to do a lot of, you have, there's so many things you have to do as a kid. If you want to play college baseball, yeah. so many areas you need to focus in. You need to prioritize that well, and you need to put your time where the highest return on investment is. Yeah. Uh, in ranked order. Yeah. And like showcases are at the, and, and like mechanical fixes, lessons, those types of things are at the very bottom because they are the lowest return on investment. Like I, I'm not saying I don't understand the benefit of these things uh, or like that yeah, I would yeah. never tell a kid to go to any of these things. 
but you you do have to understand that like that is the lowest return on investment of any of the things that you can do is traveling to a showcase traveling to a tournament yeah getting lessons working on mechanical things like they these are just proven provably the lowest return on investment you can have yeah and well the funny thing is that, like i literally when i was talking to this guy that that offered for d to come to their event um i was just kind of telling him i was like you know if, if we do do that it's literally going to be like the first one obviously not the drive one but the first one that he's ever gone to and he was like why i was like He's like, why? Because he's a, he's a good ball player, right? I'm like, yeah, but what's the what's the best case scenario, right? If the, if the skill stuff isn't there, if if you haven't, if the crop hasn't begun to harvest yet, right? If if I'm a, if I'm a farmer, right, and I've watered this thing and I've tilled the soil and I put some sunlight on it and it's just not there yet, why am I pulling it out of the ground? Correct. Like, like why am I doing that? Yeah. And he's like, yeah, no, like he's like, yeah, that no, that totally makes sense. It's like for sure. It's just it's so it's so difficult that like that parents I think fundamentally just don't understand that you know yeah, they, they they're think, really in the dark and and, yeah. and I and I get it you know I get this idea that like uh, I can increase the leverage I can give to my child by cutting a check it just takes one coach I, I get it it just it unfortunately it doesn't work like that on the back end it just doesn't work and the times it does you're not teaching the best lesson Short, well, shortcuts are going to you're not going to have a shortcut for everything. That's, yeah. That's another thing. That's another thing. I hope that you guys stuck around and suffered through me shilling for the youth underload smash bat to have this, like, this is awesome. Yeah. But, th- I mean, that's why we do our own in-house showcases. Yeah, we, yeah, yeah. We know that there is the want out there to do these showcases. We don't want these kids to have to pay. We don't want them to have to travel. Yep. We want them to get these reps in and get comfortable with it in an environment that they're already comfortable in. Yeah. While we know that we're stressing the right things. Yep. Yep. So um, you will see the evidence of that showcase on our socials and on our kids' socials probably within a couple few-ish weeks. A couple weeks, yeah. Um, so you'll have video out there. You'll have TrackMan metrics. We'll have the hit tracks data. We'll have the summation of kind of like what kids are capable of. Um, and it'll all be real. It won't be fudged. Um, real 60 times, yeah. real data, real performance information. And like, yes, we're posting it on socials. Yeah. Um, we are also emailing it to a lot of college coaches. Yeah. yeah and yeah. like, there are a lot of college coaches that, you know, I, there are a lot of regional coaches, wherever your kid is showcasing or playing high school, that like, know a lot of regional coaches. Right. Uh, we have the benefit of knowing a lot of national coaches at driveline and we are not just regional. So we're able, and like some coaches do use social media really well to like get around the the regional aspect, but like, yeah, I'm not going to lie. We have a benefit that nobody else really has of like, if they see an at drivelinebaseball.com email address in their inbox, they're, they're probably a little bit more likely to open that than they are, you know, Joe random travel ball coach or, or high school coach emailing to try to get their kid an opportunity. We, we have a few connections out there. And also we've got a lot of former employees who work in current college baseball who Facts. want to take kids that already know what, how to do what we're doing. And that can kind of seamlessly slide into, they don't have to teach these kids how to throw away to balls. They don't have to teach these kids how yep. to do a lot of these drills. You know, that was another conversation I had at, at ABCA was with some, I'm not going to obviously say any names here, but with some, some professional coaches 
who are talking about kids that get drafted from Power 5 schools that have these like palaces of player development with yeah. all of the technology you could possibly want. And these kids have, uh, and this might get a little inside baseball here for some people, but these kids can't even like read a break chart from TrackMan. And we've got 12 and 13-year-olds reading break charts here. Right now. Right now. Uh, and like these are kids who are getting drafted out of Power 5 schools in the top five rounds of a draft who show up and are well behind the curve because they don't know how to understand some of this stuff. They don't know how it matters and, and plays with them. And like, look, if you are a top five round pick from Power 5 school, uh, that team is probably going to put the time into you to teach you that because that's yeah. a decent investment. If you're a 15th round pick, do you think they're going to put that much time into you to teach you how to read some of this stuff? Like, you're going to have to do that on your own. So, like, you know, understanding this more and this is me shilling for like join our academy teams because we have a showcase and we teach you these things and like you you have a leg up and people don't realize that like that is a thing in recruiting as well is that like they want kids who already kind of know what what they're supposed to be doing yeah and they don't have to go and like teach it all over again because their jobs are predicated are predicated on winning and losing games they don't have the ability, like, yep. they're not going to spend that level, 20 hours man. teaching somebody how to understand a break chart when, like, I can just go with this guy who throws a five miles an hour harder than you because he's biologically yeah. bigger. Yeah, it's hard to hard to offer a kid a spot on the swimming team if they don't know how to swim. Right. Like, yeah. So. Yeah. Hell yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, our showcase stuff will be coming out on socials in a couple of few weeks. Yep. Kids will be posting their stuff. We'll try to get them to put it up on field level. So if you're a college coach that's looking for dudes. Field level. Yeah. Jeremy at drivelinebaseball.com. Yep, do that. Um, I feel complete. You got anything else? No, I'm, I'm good. I'll say it again. Youth Under Low Smash Pad, available right now, drivelinebaseball.com. Um, Diamond Liver 20. Diamond Liver 20 on AxeBat. Get yourself 20% off of an AxeBat. Uh, skills, skills That Scale Complete Youth Baseball Training Manual. The pre-order is ending in uh, nine days. I was going to say, you said two, but it was... Yeah, the pre-order it's, it's period. The 31st. Is, yeah, we're going to be okay. shipping. We're, I yeah, see. Okay. We're going to be shipping. We're okay. going to. That was why I gave you that look at the beginning because I was like, "It's the thirty-first, but that's yeah. the pre-order ends the thirty-first. Yeah, the, yeah. I probably saladed that. So let's recap. Uh, we're going to have physical copies, I believe, shipping to us on the twenty-third, which means we should get them by the twenty-fourth. So I imagine they should be starting going out by what day is that? By Friday? Is that possible? We can have customers. No, that's yeah. Friday, Friday, no, Thursday, Friday. Yeah, Thursday, Friday. Yeah, Wednesday is the twenty-fourth. So. Yeah, so if we if we start turning around Thursday yeah. or Friday, I imagine that's going to happen. But we are extending the pre-order pricing until January 31st. So instead of the 199 normal price, you're going to be paying 149 um, unless you get a discount code from previously buying Youth Baseball Development Certification, Hack in the Kinetic, Hack in the Kinetic Chain Youth, or Skills of Skill Practice Book. If you got those things, check your email because those coupons also end on January 31st. Yep. Um, I'm sure we're going to be doing other sales stuff right now uh, or like later on in the year. But for the moment, if you want to get it at the pre-order price, drivelinebaseball.com, skills of scale, complete youth baseball training manual. And we ordered some special hardcover editions that look pretty sick. Yeah, they do. And I am going to be sliding some of those into random customers' packages because why not? Uh, I'm going to do some handwritten thank you. The cards. old Michael Scott golden ticket. That's right, and Michael Scott. That's yeah. One that's little league who orders 15 books is going to get four hardcovers. <laughs> Just make sure you switch the pallets. Yeah, I'll, I'll make sure to switch the pallets. So, uh, and again, man, you guys caught me um, in an emotional mood uh, last week when I did the solo pod. The fact that we've sold as many of the books as we have so far right now, I, I just 
I really, really appreciate you guys for supporting it. Same thing on the Youth Under Let's Match Bats, man. We're just trying to put stuff out um, to help coaches and help players get better. Because we know it helps us. A hundred percent. And uh, and I think the only thing that I'll say is that like the, the privilege of being able to work in a place where when we find problems, we are open to them and we use that stuff to create new solutions and new training and new products. And then it serves a need for us. And then we put it out to you guys. Yep. That's pretty tight. Um, so until next time, we'll catch you later. Uh, do the likes, the scribes, the notifications, all that other stuff that helps out the algorithm. Uh, if you know the baseball coach that wants to hear us talk about baseball every week, tell a friend to tell a friend. We'll catch you later.